Welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he is doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. You guys have Mark chapter (laughs) 4. You can sit down in one second. Don't sit yet, but we're going to stand just for the initial reading of God's word. And we'd like to stand just to remind ourselves that God's word is powerful. Y'all are hyped this morning. Let's do this. Verse 35 says this. On the same day, somebody say same day. When evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Somebody say, we're going over. Somebody say, we can't stay here. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. Now, remember, it says other little boats, which means the boat Jesus was in was not little. And a great windstorm arose and waves beat into the boat so that it was already filled with water. The boat was sinking. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are, we're dying. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm, but he said to them, Why are you scared? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no... Hmm. They they were in a storm before, and last time they were in a storm, they they responded the same way. And and Jesus' response to them is, how do you have so little faith? This time, he didn't say you have little faith. He said you have no faith at all. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful for your presence in this place. God, we're grateful that you are the everlasting. Jesus, there is none like you. God, we didn't come just to talk about you. We didn't come to just sing about you. We came to encounter you. We're grateful that you are in this room right now, God, to to bring hope to the hopeless. God, to bring joy to those who sorrow. God, to bring vision to those who need it. God, to bring healing. God, anything that we stand in need of, God, you are the great I am that I am. So by faith, God, we receive all that you have for us. God, we got the browns today. I don't even need to pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Before you sit down, high five somebody and say, are you still afraid? Come on, tell somebody, tell somebody, tell somebody. I feel like for that arrogance, I might have just messed the ravens up. So, God, I'm joking. Please help us. <laughs> My wife and I celebrated six years of marriage this past August. It may uh, not sound romantic, but we say the exact same things. We're like, man, it's six years, but it feels like forever. <laughs> and I don't know if that's romantic or not. It's just so much has happened in that six years. Like, we can't even remember uh, what it was like uh, before we uh, were married. 
Um, but what we do remember is our honeymoon. It is one of those things that is forever tattooed in our memory, not for the reason that you're thinking, even though that is another good reason for the memory. <laughs> But as I was sharing at Catalyst, uh, my, our honeymoon, we were gone for two uh, weeks. We went to uh, Dominican Republic, and uh, we legitimately nearly died three times in a two-week span. Now, it, it was so funny, because one time I was, uh, and, and I'll tell you this story, I told one at Catalyst, uh, we were out in the water and, and, and kind of dropped off a, a little cleft, and she was on my back, and I threw her off, and she tried to choke me, and we had a little tussle, and then I made it, and she said I tried to kill her, I was just trying to survive, and uh, we uh, made it through that one, but when I was 13 years old, a, a gentleman in the church, he had taken me out fishing here in the Chesapeake Bay, and it was one of those fishings that's not really fishing, it was cheating. Because he had a little sonar in his boat that actually showed you where the fish were. So we went out in the boat and we, we parked over a school of fish and we dropped our hooks over the side and we were just pulling fish up. I mean, we weren't even trying. We got over 80 fish that day. So from the age of 13 until I am now 32, I have been trying to relive that fishing experience because I have never had it that good since. I've gone deep sea fishing, I've gone uh, uh, inlet fishing, I've gone uh, fishing from a dock, and I've just never pulled up 80 fish at one point. And my wife knew this, I had told her the story, so unbeknownst to me, she planned a deep sea fishing trip on our honeymoon three years into our marriage. I mean, three days into our marriage, I said, man, I've got me a good one. She, she listens to just my random desires and creates them like, this is awesome. So we woke up early, early, early in the morning, and we, we went to the the buffet at the all-you-can-eat inclusive resort, and y'all know by now I'm a mango guy, and they had enough mangoes to be able to feed the entire island, and we had our omelet special made, and our bacon, and our we loaded up on breakfast. This will be relevant further on in the story. They were pushing off at probably like 6.30 in the morning or whatever, so we get down there, and, and it's me and my wife. There's four gentlemen from Canada and then one gentleman from Brazil, and, and we said, man, this is going to be a fun trip. And then our captain comes up, and he introduces himself as Coca-Cola. I am Captain Coca-Cola. He looked like Ocho Cinco's twin, for those of you who know Chad Johnson from uh, the Bengals. And we said, okay, Captain Coca-Cola, this is going to be an interesting deal. We, 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 we jumped in the bathtub, I mean the boat, that... Uh, <laughs> They were taking us in, and, and you got to understand, your pastor, when I do something, I do it big. I don't know how to do halfway. I don't know how to do mediocre. I just kind of go all in. So not only did I go fishing, but I had my fishing outfit ready to go. I had, I had my boat shoes, and I had my, my cut-off khakis, and my, my collared shirt. I, I even had a fishing hat on, because my wife likes when I wear hats, and had my sleeves rolled up, and I was ready. We're on the beach by the boat taking pictures, and selfies and all this other good stuff and we we jump in the boat and then and then they push out and we start heading out to sea and it was it was I mean it was like a postcard you can literally see the, the, the beach getting further and further and further away. The, the water was so calm, it looked like it was ice. You could literally step out and walk on it, even though I didn't. And, and the only thing that was messing up my, my, my postcard picture was the black smoke that was billowing, billowing out from under the boat. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So we get about a mile out to sea. I mean, it's deep sea fishing. We didn't come here for goldfish. We came here for dolphin. We came here for shark. We, we didn't come here to play games. We didn't want to be in the, didn't, what didn't Jesus said? He said, push out into the deep that you can get actually a good couch. So we're about a, a mile out uh, to sea. And Captain Coca-Cola, he shuts off the boat. But as he shuts off the boat, he says, uh-oh. I said, what you mean, Uh uh-oh? He said, the boat shut off. I said, I know, you turned it off. He said, no, I didn't turn it off. It turned itself off. You see, I thought the black smoke billowing out from under the boat was normal. I mean, we're in Dominican Republic. It was kind of a rusty-looking boat. I figured it was a diesel engine boat. You know, maybe they weren't up on the environmental standards and it was normal. No, it was not normal. The engine died. In this boat, a mile out to sea. Captain Coca-Cola said, don't worry, I have a cell phone. We'll just call another boat. They'll be here in about 15 minutes, and uh, we'll just jump from this boat to that boat. We'll go ahead, and we'll continue our fishing trip. We said, great. Anybody want sandwiches? We're sitting back. And then Coca-Cola says, uh-oh. I said, what you mean, uh-oh? He said, my cell phone doesn't have any reception. So what you mean your cell phone don't have any reception? He said, don't worry. They're going to notice that we haven't come back. And when they notice we haven't come back, they are going to send a a, a boat out here to get us. How how long is the trip supposed to be, Coca-Cola? Is it four hours? So you're telling me it's four hours until they notice that we haven't come back, probably six, because they're going to think we're having fun, and it's going to take them a while to notice. My wife starts, she starts freaking out, y'all. I'm not even going to lie. The boat is kind of rocking like this. She's getting a little bit sick, and she's leaning over the side, and, 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 and I'm trying to comfort her, but I'm also kind of feeling a little bit arrogant like I don't get seasick, like I've been here before. It's nothing but a little bit of a rock. We'll be Okay. What's the SpongeBob? Four hours later. I actually have a picture that uh, reminded us of the honeymoon that we went on. This was a picture that my wife took of me. If you guys can throw that up there of uh, when we went. (laughs) Okay, take it down, 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 take it down. (laughs) I absolutely question whether that was appropriate to throw a church or not, but the reality is they had chum for the fish because all of the mango and all of the omelet and all of the sausage and all of the bacon went overboard. And when we had nothing left to send overboard, we just laid there with our mouth open. I know it is not appropriate to think about ending your life, but y'all, I thought if I jump overboard, it would be less painful than the experience that I am going through right now. I cried out to God and he ignored me. (laughs) The waves were literally four to five feet tall out to sea in a dead boat. And this boat, I mean, is rocking. We are literally holding on for dear life, just thinking to ourselves, is this how it's going to end? 
You know, I told God not to come back until I got married because there was something I needed to do before he came back. I couldn't get to heaven until I had experienced life, if you know what I'm talking about. But what I did not specify, God, is I didn't want to die three days after I had experienced life. I needed at least a week, God. Give me two. <laughs> Question for you. <laughs> Have you ever been in a storm? You, you, you ever been, not necessarily out to sea where the waves are rocking, but have you ever been in a situation in life where it seems like it is battering you wave after wave after wave after wave, and you feel like you are dead in the water? Some storms happen suddenly, some storms happen gradually. Some storms, if you had paid attention to the smoke that was billowing out from under the boat, you would have realized I'm heading in the wrong direction. I had to put that bill on this credit card. Smoke. I had to write this check but send it out a few days late and hopefully it would fit within the margin. Smoke. But because I wasn't paying attention, I didn't realize that I was heading into a storm oh so gradually. Or, or maybe it's in a relationship where, where at first the arguments were, were short, but, but they got more and more intense. And the, and, and the backlash was longer and longer and longer. And from not speaking for a few hours, it turned into not speaking for a few days. Smoke. Then all of a sudden, without realizing it, you find yourself dead in the water with five-foot waves around you, wondering, would it be safer to just jump out? Would, would, would it be better if I could just remove myself from this situation? I feel like I am drowning. That's the situation that the disciples found themselves in. You have to understand, they were just coming off of one of the greatest events of their life. The Bible says that Jesus had gone up on a mountain that he had spent time praying, and after he had finished praying, he had picked his 12. This was moments after the inauguration of the disciples. There were hundreds of people that were following Jesus, but he selected 12 on which he was going to build his church, build his ministry on. These were the 12 that he was going to use to preach the gospel after he left. Could you imagine how they were feeling? Oh, we're special. We're unique, we're gifted, we're anointed. When he had finished picking the 12, he preached to the multitudes, and then the Bible says that he had gone to a house, and that there were so many people that were crowding in on the house that were hearing him preach, and his mother and his siblings came up. They were afraid that Jesus wasn't eating and taking care of himself, and they said, hey, we need to see him, and the disciples came and said, Jesus, your, your, your mother and your brothers are here, and Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my brother?" Those who do the will of my Father. Whoa. Jesus just called me family. I'm in, in. I mean, not only am I one of the 12, not only am I one of the disciples, but Jesus says he sees me just like he sees his mother. He sees me just like he sees his siblings. Boy, I am in. And then Jesus calls the disciples and said, let's get in the boat and let's go over to the other side. Fatigued from his preaching, Jesus goes into the stern of the boat. He puts his head on a pillow, and he falls asleep. And unbeknownst to the disciples, while Jesus was sleeping, the waves began to raise. 
The Bible says that a wind became to come. We actually had the opportunity in 2017 to go to Israel. We were actually on the exact Sea of Galilee where this storm took place. And the sea was probably about 11 miles across on the long way. And I think it was about three miles across on the short way. But what was unique about this sea is that it was in the bottom of a valley surrounded by mountains. So what would happen is when a wind would begin to blow, when a storm would begin, the wind would come rushing down off of those mountains at a velocity and force that was unusual and begin to kick up 11 and 12 and 13 foot waves. The boat began to take on water and sink. But you have to understand these disciples, they were fishermen before they were disciples. So this wasn't their first rodeo. This wasn't their first storm. This wasn't the first time that they had seen problems and see chaos. Some of us feel like this. Anybody else? Any, I don't know if you're allowed to admit this in church. Any fighters in the room? Like maybe not a physical fighter, but you just kind of know how to fight your way through life. Anybody in here? Let me, let me say it this way. Any punks in the room? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think. There, there, there's something about us. But the, the adversity that we faced in our lives, the things that we've overcome, the barriers that we've broken through, I believe right now in this moment, you'd probably tell somebody, if you knew what I've been through, if you know what I've fought through, if you knew what God has brought me from, you, others would have gone insane based on what I went through, but God's grace, his mercy, he kept me. This ain't my first storm, this isn't my first rodeo, this isn't my first problem, this isn't my first adversity. Look at somebody next to you, tell them I've seen something before. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen something before. It must be some type of storm to put fear in the hearts of men that are used to storms. There, there are storms that life brings that everybody around us freaks out, and you're like, really? Really? You ever had somebody come to you, oh, you look down today, what's going on? And they share your heart, and you're trying to be empathetic, you're trying to be compassionate, but in your head, you're really like, really? Your tire blew? <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> you ever want to hear a real problem? <laughs> Get you a cup of coffee, sit down, let me tell you about life. But then there's storms that make even the most brave of us fearful. And that's the storm that the disciples were facing. It put such a fear in their heart that they forgot that Jesus was in the boat. Now, as we've been talking about this series, what are you afraid of? One of the problems with this series is it can make you feel less spiritual if you experience fear. You can almost take from this series, well, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a power of love, sound mind. So if I'm, if I'm feeling fear, then I must not have the spirit of God. I must not be as spiritual as this person or that person or whatever it may be. The point of this series is not to say you shouldn't experience fear. The point of this series is to prepare you for it because it is coming. Fear is just a part of this broken world that we live in. You will enter a circumstance and situation in life where you feel overcome, where you fear fearful. And if, I was going to say if, when that happens, I want to prepare you for the proper way to respond. So if you're taking notes, if you could write this down. The first thing that you need to learn to do if you find yourself caught in a storm, if you find yourself overwhelmed with fear, whether it's rumors around the job that they're letting people go, whether it's a health crisis or whatever it may be, you have to really trust what he said. 
And, and notice I didn't say you have to trust what he said. No, no, no. You have to really trust what he said. Because nobody in this room oh, would, would probably say, I don't believe in God, or I don't believe in the Bible, I don't believe it's real, or whatever it may be. But what we truly believe isn't really revealed in peaceful times. What we truly believe is, is, is really revealed. <laughs> uh, I was at the barbershop, which is all where all the bad things happen, and... Uh, they, they had on the TV screen a, a, a comedian that you guys would all know that I won't mention that is very vulgar and, and, and not uh, wholesome or holy or whatever it may be. But he was talking about this joke about him and some other brothers that were going uh, deep sea fishing, not deep sea fishing, whitewater rafting. And uh, there, there was an atheist in the boat, there was a Muslim in the boat, and there was a Christian in the boat. And the, the boat capsized and they started screaming out and they heard somebody say, Jesus, save us, Jesus, save us. And it wasn't the Christian that was screaming, Jesus, save us. It wasn't the Muslim that was screaming, Jesus, save us. It was the atheist that was screaming, Jesus, save us. Because there's something about being at the verge of death that what you really think and what you really believe is exposed. The disciples should have really believed Jesus when he said, let's cross over to the other side. Jesus didn't say, hey, let's go halfway and die in the middle. Jesus didn't say, let's hop in the boat and see what happens. He said, let's cross over to the other side. And if he said, let's cross over to the other side, guess where Jesus was planning on going? To the other side. The only problem is when the storm came up, the disciples were so struck with fear that it wiped their memory of what he actually said, and they thought, he must not have seen this cancer coming. He must not have seen this contention coming. He may not have seen this. No, 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 no. This, this is what the Bible says. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. As he said, he will he not do, or as he's spoken, will he not make it good? You can take it to the bank. If he said it, he's going to do it. And in the midst of a storm is the most important time for us to remember, wait, what did he actually say about this? The only problem is for so many of us, we don't actually know what he said. So here we are, we're reaching and we're grasping for what does God have to say about this situation? But we don't actually know. And because we don't actually know what he has to say about this situation, we respond based on what we see. We respond based on what we feel instead of based on what he said. Listen to me. You want to think about a boat? In a boat, there's a life raft. Or, 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 or there's that little uh, buoy that they throw out if you're drowning. That buoy is the word of God. And if you don't have the word of God in your heart, you're not going to have an anchor in the storm of this is what he said. I need to read God's word for myself. You know, they have this dumb little saying, a verse a day keeps the devil away. First of all, that's not true. Second of all, a verse a day ain't going to do it. I need, the Bible says this, I have hidden God's word in my heart 
that I may not sin against thee. We get caught up on the word sin because we think it means read the Bible so you won't be ratchet. The word sin doesn't mean to do something that, that's dishonest. The word sin just means to get off course to God's plan for your life. It's God's word in my heart that keeps me on track. I need to read God's word. I need to hear God's word. You may not realize this, but as you're sitting in church and listening to messages, God is putting a word in your heart that's going to anchor you in a storm. You may sit here and say, man, pastor, I'm not in any storm right now. My money's good. My marriage is good. My finances are good. My kids are good. Well, hey, file this one away because I have some negative news for you. Every human being, you're either coming out of a storm or you're currently in a storm or you are. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're going to need this. So I need to read God's word. I need to hear God's word, but I have to learn how to speak. Nobody on that boat said, wait, hold up. Didn't he say, let's cross over to the other side? No, 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 no. I remember what he said. We were all standing on the, on the beach, and we are getting ready to get in the boat. And we said, Jesus, where are we going? And Jesus said, to the other side. So it can't, it, it can't end this way because I haven't gotten to where he said I'm going to go. The Bible says this, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So here's what it means. If it's not good, he's not done. Because he said all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Isaiah 59, 19 says this, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a This is what he lifts up. But if I don't have any of this in this, when the doctor says, put your life in order, you have three months, you're not going to really know the verse where it says the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over my life, and by his stripes I have been healed. So I appreciate you for your expertise, but there's another word. There's a standard. The second thing I write down is this. You need to learn how to always locate where Jesus is in the storm. They didn't start looking for Jesus until they realized that they couldn't bail out enough water. I'm not going to throw you under the bus because you guys live there with my preaching. So I'll throw myself under the bus. No matter how much I pray, it's always too late. For some reason, prayer for me is never early enough. It's probably because I'm just a pragmatic type of person. I'm a fix-it type of person. My wife will tell you I'm the stereotypical man that frustrates every woman. I need to tell you what's going on. Well, here's how you fix it. I don't need you to fix it. Then why are you telling me? Because I want you to listen. I'm trying. But it's so hard. Like, I know God made some men to be able to listen and not fix it, but I'm just not that guy. And I'm, so I sit there, and then she says, are you listening? Yes. <laughs> then why aren't you saying anything? 
because you said not to fix it. You have anything else to say? No. <laughs> I just automatically go to fix it mode. And that's where the disciples are. Water in, bail. When it should have been water in, where's Jesus? Hmm? Can we get practical? Rumors start hopping around the office of layoffs. Do we pray or do we go to the higher upper that we have a little bit of favor in to get a little bit of information? What's going on? Is my name on that list? How much time do I have? Am I? Like, it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's human nature when a storm starts to rage to instantly try to fix it. But our nature is not godly. The Bible says don't be led by the flesh, but be led by the Spirit of God. I have to learn instantly when I feel that storm coming in, where, where is Jesus in this? They lost Jesus in the boat. By the way, this is not the first time that Jesus was lost. Matter of fact, people were losing Jesus all the time. Well, one of the first people to lose Jesus was Mary and Joseph. I would ask how many people in here have lost their kids before, but I'm not going to do that because then I'd have to raise my hand and my wife would ask the question and I don't need to answer it right now. So can you imagine if somebody entrusted you with their child and you lost them? Because that's what happened to Mary and Joseph. But it wasn't just somebody who entrusted them with their child. It was God, the Father, <laughs> creator of heaven and earth, came to Mary and Joseph and said, hey, can you look out on my son for about 33 years? I'll take him back, but if you can just look out for 33 years. They made it 12. <laughs> about 12 years in, they had gone to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, and they had packed up all of their things, and they were heading back to their, their home, and there was aunts and uncles and cousins and all that other good stuff, so they assumed that Jesus was with them on the journey. Can you imagine the epic argument that Mary and Joseph had? Hey, Joe, hey, Joe, hey, Joe, hold on one second. Yeah, yeah, babe, yeah, what's going on? Is Jesus up there with you? No, no, I thought he was with you. You thought, what do you mean you thought he was, he was with you? No, babe, he was with you. So they're going back and forth, and, and I don't know, maybe James's brother or one of the uncles like, excuse me, y'all can do that on your own time, but right now we need to find the Messiah, before God or the Father realizes that he's gone. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 48, it says this, when his parents saw him, they were shocked. His mother said, child, why have you treated us like this? Can I have a little bit of fun? I'm just jumping ahead in my message. When the disciples lost Jesus, guess what they said? They said, Jesus, do you care that we perish? When Mary lost Jesus, she said, why have you treated us like this? One of the reasons why we lose Jesus in our storm is because we make life about us. Jesus said, your father, Mary said, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking for you. Jesus replied, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know? that it was necessary for me to be in my 
father's house. The Bible says that Jesus was a lamb that was slain before the beginning of time. The reason why Jesus came to earth was to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to prove to the world that he was the Messiah, and then to die in a boating accident. Huh? Is that what your Bible reads? Jesus was the lamb who drowned for the sins of the world? Huh? He told the disciples over and over and over and over again, I have come to hang on a cross so that the curse of sin can be broken off of people's lives. And the disciples somehow made the mistake of thinking Jesus would drown. Like, let's think about this for a moment. If Jesus is in the boat, the boat ain't going down because he has a purpose here on earth and his purpose wasn't to drown. His purpose was to fulfill the will of his. When he was 12, he looked at his mother and said, I've come to do my father's business. When he was 30, 33, he said, I've come to do my father's business. If we can figure out God, what is God's business in my life? Can I get real practical? I can't die of cancer because God's not done with me yet. I can't drown in the storm because God's will is not done with me yet. I can't end up this way because the plan and the purpose and the destiny that God has for me is not done yet. It's very dangerous to live a selfish life. Can I say it the way that I have it? Because when life is about me, it's not necessarily in the kingdom's best interest to look out for me. Dragon. Because if I drown and it was all about me, the only thing that's lost is But what if it looked like I built my life not about me, but about his kingdom? God, I can't die of cancer. God, 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 I can't lose my job. God, because do you know how many people's faith is going to be affected by my life? Do you know how many people I've encouraged? Do you know how many people I've prayed for? Do you know how much I am using my life to advance your... <laughs> Hear this, not with theology, but God, you need me. My God, my life belongs to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Can I get out of a storm and just talk about prosperity and promotion? Like, if you get that job, how does it affect the kingdom of God? If you find that spouse, how does it affect the kingdom of God? If God answers that prayer, does it change your world or does it change the world? Because if I can make my life bigger than just my world, but I can make my life about impacting his kingdom for his glory, all of a sudden, God is able to move in my life not just for me but for the hundreds and thousands of people that are going to be impacted by his story in me. The last thing is this, never lose sight of his love. You can come and play. We're going to land this plane. Mark 4, 38 says this, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we 
are perishing. It's amazing, bless you. I tried not to, but I had to. It's amazing how when we go through certain seasons in our life, our reaction is, God's forgotten me. Like, he doesn't care. They didn't say, Jesus, can't you do something about this? Notice, they didn't even ask him to fix the problem. They immediately made an indictment on his character. Jesus, you don't care. I just like how calm Jesus was. He didn't even respond. Peace be still. What's wrong with your faith? Do you know who I am? Like it is impossible for me not to care. Oh, I care. I care more than you care. Because I'm better to you than you are to you. But when we started on this journey, I knew that this storm would come. But I also knew that you didn't really trust me. You didn't really know who I was. And where I'm taking you to on the other side of this storm, you're not going to be able to have that little faith and to maximize the destiny that I have for you. So I love you and care for you enough to allow you to go through a situation, don't worry, I'm right there with you, but to allow you to go through a situation that is going to increase your trust in me in a way that life being easy would never increase your trust. What builds faith is when you're in the midst of a storm and you encounter the love of God in a way that you've never encountered before. What builds faith is when you're in the midst of a storm and the King of the King and the Lord of Lords rises up and says, peace be still. <laughs> Romans 8.37 says this, yet in all things we are more than conquerors. You, you, somebody needs to hear this. You're not surviving. You have more than you need. You, you feel like you're drowning. You feel like your head is barely above water. And God says to tell you that feelings lie. You're not drowning. You're not at the edge of your end. You ever been at the place where you say, I don't think I have much more to give? I don't think I can. God is saying, don't you understand? That's where I start. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither the death of a loved one nor the life of a child I didn't expect, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ. Oh, he cares. Oh, he cares. Oh, he cares. Don't you ever question if he cares. What you can question is, God, what are you doing? what's the lesson I need to learn? Because I'm ready to learn it so I can get out of this storm. But he cares. So in here, oftentimes in Scripture, the stories illustrate how not to respond. Dragon? Like, when you're going through a storm, don't question God's love for you. 
don't start bailing, start praying. Find out what he's up to and say, okay, if he's going to do that, then I'm going to make it to the other side. We know what not to do, but here's what I'm not quite sure. What would have been the proper response of the disciples? Because the reality was the boat was filled with water. They were in the storm of their life. So option A, calmly walk over to Jesus. Messiah, would you care to rise for a would you care to rise for a moment and calm this storm? That would almost be like prayer, right? Like, take it to Jesus and let him fix the problem. But he loves me. I've encountered his love. I just had this thought. Did Jesus want them to come to him or did he want them to do something different? Then I came across 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected. That word perfected means fully mature, built up among us in this, that we ha may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Because the love of God has been fully matured in my life, because I've so encountered him that a little bit storm doesn't cause me to question God, there's a boldness that comes on me. And because of the boldness that is on me, the Bible says that as he was, so am I in this land. In other words, what he would do is what I should do. So what did he do? He stood up. He didn't pray to the Father. He started talking to the storm. So if as he is, so am I, what am I supposed to do in a storm? I'm supposed to stand up and not beg God to fix something that he already fixed because when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. I need to go over to the verse where he says, all authority has been given unto me, therefore go forth. And I need to start talking to my storm and say, peace be unto you by the power of God that... I wish I had some saints that were bold enough to start speaking to some storms in your life and to say, no, 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 I know that greater is he that is in me than any storm that I can face in this world. So I speak to that contention in my home and I say, peace, be still. I speak to that sickness in my child and I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. I speak to that lack. I speak to that depression. I speak to that anger. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If he's going to speak to it, then I'm going to speak to it. Because you got to understand, when Jesus was here on earth, he wasn't here as God to fix everything for us. He was here as a righteous man to set an example of what it should look like for me to walk here on earth. So if he's going to speak, I'm going to speak. And I'm telling you, every storm is going to turn into an accelerator of your faith that brings you to a place after the storm now, I'm not saying we want to go through storms, and I'm not praying for storms. But I'm just saying there's some storms that I've been through 
that I didn't return to who I was after the other side. I started speaking things that I had never spoken before. I started believing things that I had never believed before. I started walking in a boldness, walking in a confidence, walking in a security. I don't question the love of God the way I used to question the love of God because he's taken me through some storms that have proven once and for all that he is for me and not against me. In the name of Jesus, that storm is not going to kill you. It's going to grow you into the mature believer that God has called you to believe. You believe it. Somebody shout amen in this morning. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, that in the midst of the storm, God, you are our peace. God, you're right there with us. God, we're praying right now. God, that you would help us locate where you are. I'm not going to lie, God, the waves are crashing in. We're taking on water. But God, you said that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. So God, I don't trust in the waves. I don't trust in my feelings. God, I trust in you. God, you said I'm going to make it to the other side. So the other side, I will make it. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment, a time to make this moment personal to you. Maybe you're in here and you're going through a storm and this word was exactly for you. God brought you in here this morning to let you know you will not die, but you will live to declare the glory of the Lord. You will make it to the other side. For some of you, I have one simple question, though. Is Jesus in your boat? Or did you push off from the shore without him? Because what guarantees your success is not your tenacity, not your strength, not your culture. It's who's in the boat with you. I didn't mean to preach this, but I'll preach it for a second. One time the disciples left without Jesus in the boat. And they hit a storm. And lo and behold, here comes Jesus walking on water to meet them where they were. I believe for so many of you, this is that moment for you. You find yourself in the middle of a storm and you didn't push off with Jesus, but he is walking on the water right to where you are saying, will you let me in that boat? Because I could calm that water just as if you had brought me from the first place. So if you're in here and you say, Pastor, I can't say I've ever invited Jesus to to be in part of my life, to direct my life, to control my life, but I don't want to go another step without him. If that's you, I'm not going to have you stand up or come up front. This is a moment that's between you and God. But here is your opportunity to create, to invite the creator of the universe in your life. If that's you, can you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for not abandoning me. Thank you for loving me. And today, right now, I invite you into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross so that every sin, Every mistake can be forgiven. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.